0: Welcome to Historical Hysteria. I am pushing the episode I promised yesterday to replace it with today's lightning-written episode, The Myth of the Anzacs. Today, April 25th, is Anzac Day. Like the 11th of the 11th in Europe or Memorial Day in the US, it is a day begun to honour and remember Australians lost during World War I, and later, all wars. The Anzacs, or Australian New Zealand Army Corps, was a short-lived colonial force of Australians and New Zealanders sent to the Middle East during the First World War. The Anzacs suffered horrendously high casualties between 1915 and 1916, and in their most famous engagement were slaughtered on the Gallipoli Peninsula. This action is often highlighted as the impetus for Australian independence and republicanism, and their incredible super-soldier-like resilience in battle. Their respectable honour, bravery, heroism, honour, mateship, honourable respectfulness, and of course honour became a central part of Australia's founding story. Australia would go on to suffer one of the highest per capita casualty rates of the war, so World War One still holds a place of spiritual Im- importance for Australians more so than many other countries, and is therefore naturally littered with myths. Now this episode was Long time planned and little time written, so instead of the long-form summary of World War 1 and the Anzacs I would normally do, I'm going to rip off some band-aids and annoy some nationalists. Australians often hear stories about what amazing soldiers Aussies were during the war, retelling quotes by British officers of their disbelief at Australian hardiness. Unfortunately, so do Canadians, Kiwis, South Africans, and Newfoundlanders, and all leave out the just-as-many reports which criticise their battle performance. But that's a story for another time, because Anzac Day isn't really about crass fawning over the military. Today, Anzac Day is a solemn public holiday about commemorating loss. It starts with a dawn service where the hauntingly beautiful Last March is played, and is followed by a march of soldiers, veterans, and family members. It is seen as a largely apolitical event, and it does little to glorify war. The first Anzac march was held in 1916 jointly between London and Sydney, and was a recruiting campaign for the war. And despite its modern apolitical or bipartisan nature, it has an extremely political history. Today, diggers, the colloquialism for the Anzacs digging into the hills, and later for all veterans, are remembered above all else for their mateship, honour, and sacrifice. Have I mentioned how honour plays into this? Because they were so super-duper honourable. Pinky promise. Well, the story of the good, wholesome, honourable digger is... just that. A story. Not to malign veterans here, but the thing about soldiers is they are people. Following the Gallipoli campaign, tens of thousands of injured veterans returned to Australia, and over the next two years, hundreds of thousands more would join them. Years after the war, the story of the diggers was written to focus on their honour and dignity, but there is a reason for that incredible focus on respectfulness and honour, and that is the rogue digger. The Rogue digger was a term only re- used recently to refer to diggers written out of popular history because there were diggers who weren't that honorable. See Anzac Day had see Anzac Day had much more utilitarian goals after the war. Goals like stop killing people, stop being so racist and uh, stop rioting dear god stop rioting. Australia in the nineteen teens was, like a lot of nations, in a very tense state. Though the nation was sheltered in some ways from some of the horrors of industrialization, it had its fair share of slums and growing exploitation. Well, as happened elsewhere, as tens of thousands of armed and trained and sometimes disillusioned young men returned home, things started to get tense. Australia in the nineteen teens was a pretty racist place, and in 1919, about 8,000 veterans freshly returned from Western Europe rioted in the streets of Brisbane in what became known as the Red Flag Riots, attacking anyone perceived as socialist and burning down a refugee centre for Russians fleeing their civil war. These veterans would go on to bayonet multiple police, who came out to desperately try and stop them. This was not the only violence either. Unsurprisingly, the Red Flags had their own veterans who quickly formed armed brigades to protect themselves from the more right-wing soldiers. In the early 1920s, thousands of Anzacs joined gangs and violent organisations and waged an unofficial war against each other. Many of these rogue diggers were communists and proto-fascists and later fascists. In 1931, a group called the New Guard formed as the armed wing of a secret society called the Old Guard, and at one point, a World War I veteran named De Groot attacked the New South Wales Premier with a sword, and was let off with a light fine. The New Guard were two things, mostly World War I veterans, and also fascists. In the early, day of, in the early days of Australia, the Honourable Anzacs were a little bit of a... menace. It was into this environment that Anzac Day and the image of Anzacs was invented. From recruitment drives between 1916 and 1918, the government scrambled to create an image to unify a a rapidly dividing nation. And the Anzacs were the perfect image for this. Only about 11,000 Australians died on the beaches of Gallipoli. And I know, only 11,000 is a pretty horrible number. But when you consider that Australians suffered hundreds of thousands of casualties, the fact that Australia focused so much on these 11,000 seems strange. But the Gallipoli campaign had already worked its way into the Australian consciousness as the first major engagement of the young nation. And as y- as many and as many young frustrated disillusioned men returned from the war, governments had to act to preserve the honour and nobility of those brave sacrificial lambs, because through history when lots of armed men, and trained young men turn up and can't find work in deeply divided societies, the end result is almost always some sort of violent uprising. Of only the most honourable and respected sort, of course. Like the Kapuch or the Beer Hall Putsch in Germany, organised by frustrated World War One veterans just looking for freedom. Way to go, organiser A. Hitler. I'm sure we won't hear from you again. See, the ugly truth of war is that every soldier in history has also been a human being. Some are great, some are lazy, some kind, some awful, all of them are just people. And though I would love to delve into more stories of the rogue diggers because there are a lot and they are amazing, I'm keeping this episode short so I have something more to write about in the near future. So that is all we have time for today, thank you for joining me and before I leave, let me leave you with this. Well known to Australians are the words of Turkish President Ataturk, inscribed above the beaches of Gallipoli, dedicated to the Anzacs who died. Quote, Those heroes that shed their blood and lost their lives, you are now lying in the soil of a friendly country. Therefore, rest in peace. There is no difference between the Johnnies and the Mechmets. To us, they lie side by side here in this country of ours. You... The mothers who sent their sons from faraway countries, wipe away your tears, your sons are now lying in our bosoms, and are in peace. After having lost their lives on this land, they have become our sons as well." These beautiful words are read at every Anzac day. They conjure the image of an alienating war, and a strange comradeship between enemies that both felt they were fighting someone else's war. They are also, possibly fake, as there's little evidence for Ataturk having said it, but they are undeniably beautiful. Anyway, bye.